good evening, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Deanna. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast. Um, we are recording live from various parts of Texas, and we have a special guest today. Our special guest, our face for today, is Sherry B. Ellis out in L.A., Durani <laughs> extraordinaire. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for taking um, time just to speak with us today. So just Yay! like Thank you. Welcome. Of course. Um, Just just a little background as far as our connection. We were first introduced to you by the fabulous piece that is Shit Duran Duran Fans Say that is now (laughs) available to watch on YouTube and has been for the past 10 years. And that was our first introduction to your work. But obviously since then, you've done an amazing job in other areas of things going on in your life. So kind of kind of tell us like, first of all, we know you're Duranny. We know you're a production manager. We know you're working on a show. We know you're doing all these other things that you do. But kind of tell us how things got started for you, starting with this piece that you have up on YouTube. Okay. Well, I'm happy to say, by the way, I'm an associate producer now. Uh, Yay! Congratulations! (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Just a small plug. I'm working on a show called Stillwater for Apple TV. Oh, nice. And it's a children's animated show, and it's very lovely. It's uh, one of people award. I love working on it. So just wanted to, to mention that. Let's see, where do I start? Do I start like on my, uh, as a Durrani, as uh, my exploits in animation? <laughs> I mean, actually, I mean, start, I mean, obviously we started as a Durrani before you started in your professional career. <laughs> but I mean, obviously being a Durrani has influenced all of your work that you've done since and up to now. So kind of, I guess, maybe take us through like what drew you to the band itself and when did you start calling yourself a quote-unquote Durani? And I know you asked this question uh, not too long ago on your social media platform about the term Durani. What does that mean to you? You know, what you, what drew you into this particular band? Yeah, so originally I admit it was an aesthetic attraction. I'm originally from Chicago, and sometime in 85, I saw the View to a Kill video, and I saw Nick, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's the most beautiful man in the world. <laughs> but then, obviously, you know, I started researching the band and started listening to their music and I just fell in love with their music. I've always been a Nick girl and Nick in particular, I just love his passion for the art. And every time he did an interview, he would send me to the encyclopedia. You know, right. I, right. <laughs> I just had yes. to look up everything he was talking about. So that, you know, so what started out as that that, that aesthetic attraction definitely grew. I didn't know any Durannies at first. I uh, the, the way that I got involved with the Durani group that that became my my group of friends throughout high school uh, is I was wearing a Nick button and someone came up to me and said so I uh, I just want to talk to you after school and she said I, I saw your Nick button are you a Durani and, and I was like it, you know I had never really been part of a social group before and so like this idea it was almost lofty this <laughs> this idea of like wow what's a Durani you know is like what does that mean beyond being a fan? And the, this particular person who was my best friend in high school, she was particularly 
particularly intense about it. She was like, she was like the biggest Andy fan in the world. So uh, being a Durani, it, it felt like a commitment, you know, <laughs> like, like, am I worthy of this? And it took me a while. And the, the reason why I asked on my social media, if, uh, if people took to the term at first, or if it took them a while to identify as Duranis is because I found uh, sort of in preparation for this interview, I looked up some old journal entries of mine. And I found this journal entry from New Year's Eve of 85, where I said, I, I'm not a Durani. I'm not yet. Not yet. And, <laughs> and, and I, I kind of hemmed and hawed about what it meant. And finally, and, and as you look through the, uh, the progression of this, of this journal, like by mid-86, I was, I was definitely <laughs> like, okay, I'm a Durani. There's no, no question no of my commitment. Yeah. <laughs> you are correct amazing. in saying that like being a Durani, and we often say that being Durani is a lifestyle. And <laughs> it's so funny that you said that that way and you're like and you took it seriously and, and, <laughs> and we still do <laughs> and I think I for like, a lot a lot of us to your point about you weren't really part of any kind of social circles or whatever that that was like our first I think for a lot of us our first exposure and experience with being in a in like a group a group of friends mm -hmm. right like I had I had my best friend and we're still best friends and that was all I, that was just, it was just me and her. Right. And then Duran coming into the mix, then that sort of expanded the, the friendship circle, right? Mm -hmm. I still had my best friend and we were still, you know, just us. But yeah, it's just interesting how, what you were saying about how that, that, that played a role and how this band played a role in, in bringing us, bringing folks together. I mean, we're here, right? That's right. the love of the band. I'm curious about how, with that, how the love of, of the band and, and just the influence that Duran Duran has had on you has influenced your work in particular and just kind of that thread or is there anything like the way you see things or any any sort of aspects of that well i i definitely would not be a writer if it weren't for duran and part of that is a direct influence from the band and being being a nick girl i think you know i just grad I, I just gravitated towards his, like I say, his commitment to the art. And I think that's what I, I think, you know, I was just finding what I really wanted to be uh, through through him and through Duran because I grew up in a in a, with a middle class background and the assumption was that I was going to be like a doctor or a lawyer or something definitely not arts related which was a little ironic because my father was a jazz musician but wow. <laughs> but wow. looking back in retrospect I realized that I was very much steered away from anything having to do with that I think being a, a Durani I think I, I just eventually came to find myself as as an artistic person. Uh, through that, I mean, it's def it was definitely a process. Like when I went to college, I, I didn't major in anything particularly creative. I, I majored in psychology and philosophy of all things. But <laughs> eventually, I, I ended up going into animation. On uh, you know, I'm on the production management side. But I you know, I want to have my own show eventually, and I'm working on that. And I think I think just being a Durani and also making friends who were with people who with Duranis who were also writers. We all wrote fan fiction. Some Sometimes together, <laughs> I think uh, I think that just gave me permission to start start thinking outside of that that lawyer doctor sort of box that that I could do something artistic with my life. And I think just on a personal level, uh, Nick just opened my eyes to so many creative movements. Like I'm a huge Jean Cocteau fan. He is my <laughs> he is my favorite artist. I've actually traveled around Europe just to go see anything having to do with Jean Cocteau. So I've had like 
adventures, especially as uh, traveling, that I would never have had without Duran. I can also say I possibly would not have gotten into college without Duran because I wrote my <laughs> prince essay on them. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, love it. Yeah. I became a travel agent because I knew about all these islands and beautiful places and elephants and things in Sri Lanka and all that stuff. So oh my, my career path was definitely steered that way because of my love of the band. That's, That's fantastic. Amazing. Now, how long uh, was it after uh, growing up in Chicago and everything that you ended up moving to Los Angeles? Uh, I went to grad school for a year after college because I was still sort of in this. Uh, I was I was going to go into educational policy. My mom was uh, an assistant principal, so I thought that I was going to follow in her footsteps. But by then, I had seen Edward Scissorhands, and that just changed. That really just changed my whole life. I, I was like, that's you know, I I I was I was just so blown away. I was like, oh, you can make movies that are personal, you know, that just that movie just spoke to me in a way that that no other movie had done up to that point. And I just decided and I, I decided basically I wanted to work for Tim Burton. <laughs> okay. um, so speaking I, and so Sherry, did you get to see Danny Elfman's show over Halloween? Not not the recent when, one, but I have yeah. seen him on Halloween. Yeah, I love it. When he I, does I, the soundtracks and yes, and yes. his hands and all that. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Uh, but you I, did eventually get to work with Tim Burton. I did. I did. I um, mean, you made that happen. And yes, and the way that happened is I actually invited him to come speak at my college. What? Uh, wow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I invited him to come speak at my college and that didn't happen um, because, you know, he's obviously very busy, but I I developed uh, a relationship with his, uh, with his office and came to visit them during spring break and interviewed with them. And as a result, when a production assistant position became available on Ed Wood, they offered it to me. So that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was extremely lucky. Yeah. I was, was that I was, in Los Angeles? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I was in grad school for only a year, and then I moved to LA for that job. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's that great. is so cool. How long did you work for him? Uh, I worked for him for a couple of years. I worked for his uh, his publicist for about a year and a half, and then I worked on Mars Attacks for a bit. I was <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. I, you know, my husband and I still make that alien sound. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my. My husband's mom named one of their cats Ack after seeing Mars Attacks. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I love that. It's so funny. Oh, how cool is that? I worked on Mars Attack for a few months, and then I was lucky enough to get a job at Disney, Disney Feature Animation. So that started off my animation career. And mostly I've worked in animation and visual effects since then. I've been on the management side. Uh, I did leave for a few years. I was I was kind of becoming a little bit disillusioned with the, the business. So I left for a few years and became a photographer. I actually went back goal for photography and I have I have to say I have to credit Duran with my interest in photography because even as as a teenager I always wanted to know who the photographers were and I think even though I wouldn't have articulated it in this way I was very interested in the relationship of light and shadow you know I kind of I carried around a little I don't know if you remember the Kodak disc camera oh yes I I, 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 I
Yeah. So, so I think I was always destined to, at some point, to do something professionally with photography. So I went back to Santa Monica College for that. And I had a photography business for a while. I got to live up to one of my dreams and actually got a photo pass to photograph Duran at a concert in 2012. So one of my, I have on my site a a picture of Simon that I just love. Which show was that? Yeah. What show? That was the one at Costa Mesa that year. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pacific Amphitheater. I know awesome. people who were there. Were any of us there? I wasn't there. I wasn't at that show. That's why I was asking which show. We're in 2020. <laughs> 2012, I mean. That yeah, was so a that was now, so that was probably so much fun. It was. It was a dream come true. Did they have it where you go in the front, like, first few songs? Was mm-hmm. it a photo pit? Okay. It was exactly. Then, yeah, first that's three awesome. Songs. First three yeah. songs, the flash, that, that whole thing. Yeah. 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 Have you ever shot Polaroid? Because, you know, Nick's whole Polaroid experiment. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. School. Uh, shot a few. I didn't. I didn't make that my my medium, but uh, but yeah, I did shoot a few. <laughs> and of course, I've got my copy of Interference. Yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, has he signed it for you? Uh, yes, yes, he did okay. sign. <laughs> he did sign Interference. Yeah, I got that at the Warehouse Show. Rest in peace, Warehouse. But yeah, in Los in L.A., I, I got him sign it, and Very I got cool. to talk a little bit about Cocteau with him too. Oh really? I was going to ask, like, how did that interaction yeah, it was it was very brief. It, it was kind of funny. It was I don't think a lot of fans asked him about Cocteau, so he seemed kind of surprised when I asked him. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, a little bit taken back, right? <laughs> so, can you tell us a little bit about the video we talked about earlier mm. when we, we kicked off how that helped the, the shit Duranny say came about? Like, yeah, and it still rings true now. I was watching yesterday. I'm like, yes, all those people are still. <laughs> In the audience, but kind of what, you know, what made you kind of put this together? Like, how did that happen? So uh, it was during that time when uh, when people were making videos like that, the, the whole shit girl say that 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 jumped it all off. And then Francesca Ramsey made shit white girl say, and I really love that one. And there was also shit record nerd say. And that, <laughs> and, and that really inspired me. And so I just wrote a script. I wasn't going to, I wasn't planning on actually making a, a video and I sent it to actually one of my Chicago friends Paula I you know I just said oh you know it was just for a giggle you know I was like oh here's this little script that I wrote she goes do not send this to anyone you need to film this don't send this (laughs) to anyone and I was like oh okay so and it, it was actually while I was still in school for photography and I think I was taking a video class at the time because I ended up taking a couple of cinematography classes so I asked my friend Robin who I'd known since college and that was another situation where she I was wearing a Nick button and she came up to me and said oh my gosh you're Duranny <laughs> <laughs> and we kept in touch and you know Robin is a professional actress so I was lucky that she said yes to that and had the time to star in it she did such an amazing job oh, <laughs> playing okay. all four characters yeah, I, I ended up shooting a little bit out at, at my place, a little bit at her place. Uh, a friend and neighbor let me shoot the so-called concert scenes at, at his place. So I was just you know, putting a gel on, on gel over a light and calling it a concert. And <laughs> Movie magic. Yes. It's, yes. it's super fun. So, hey, listeners, go out and after this interview and go check it out because it's really it's super fun. Cool. 
Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess your your newest project that has some Duran ties is your uh, you know your proposed series. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So Fangirl is that was the first script that I I wrote uh, after I took a story structure class. I'd had this idea for many years, kind of uh, you know just inspired by uh, basically all the fans that I knew. And I was just having a hard time coming up with a narrative. And then I took that story structure class and realized that I could tie it into the story of my family and came up with this idea that, you know, the log line is that, that Fran is an insecure record company executive who discovers that she's inherited the powers of an ancient muse to inspire and ignite creativity in musicians. And she now has to save not only her favorite band but all of music from a growing menace with the ability to steal creativity so and she ends up being mentored by her grandmother and that relationship mirrors my relationship with my grandmother because my grandmother moved in to help raise me when I was born and my mother passed away when I was 12 that's also part of Fran's story except that so there are there are many parallels except of course the ancient muse part but uh but part of it is inspired by my struggles with with writer's block, which I think we can all, you know, or artist block in general, which I, I think we can all relate to. And that's how I came up with the idea of this villain who can actually steal creativity from you. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cause that block. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Was there was there a little vanity thrown in there? If we have the muse, I mean I'm you know, always <laughs> I have finally seen that movie, but I actually had not seen it when I wrote ah, the script. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very funny, but it didn't actually inspire me to write the script, but I but I have seen it since then. <laughs> and you just won a big award with well, Angle, I, right? I, I placed. I uh, I'm still waiting to hear, but I placed as quarterfinalist in Cine Story competition and Cinestory is a very prestigious annual writers retreat and fellowship. The winner will get a, will basically be mentored for a year, but it also involves uh, a writers retreat that the finalists and the winners are invited to, possibly the quarter finalists if there are enough spaces. So um, keeping my fingers crossed that I get invited because I really want to go. It's it's up in the mountains here in LA, a place called Idlewild. Oh, yeah. um, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah. that Thank you. Thank you. I was so thrilled. Yeah, that just happened a week ago, so I'm still kind of on a high. <laughs> oh, I bet. And you said you're still waiting to hear what the next step is? For that particular competition, yeah. Uh, okay. Late February, I'll find out, or we'll hear about the semifinalists. Okay, yeah. so we'll have to celebrate you even after we publish this interview. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, of course. No, fingers crossed. You've got this in the bag. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we just saw you like two months ago in LA for the yes. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony. What would you say? I mean, obviously that was a highlight among the other highlights Duran Duran related. You yeah. also went to Ibiza and did, did some other things in 2022 Duran related. What would you say was your favorite thing that happened or favorite experience last year with Duran having the amazing year that they had? Yeah, I know. I 2022 was probably my second favorite year as a Durani and uh, the first being the first year that I saw them in concert uh, and that was 87 along with, well, it was just kind of a, a, a whole year. Like I, I met them when I was 15 
15. And then I got to see them in concert in 87. So that was, you know, so, so obviously no year is ever going <laughs> to, right. that's, that's, that's the top. But how yeah, did you 20, meet them? Wait, how did you meet them when you were 17, 15? 15. Um, 15? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned my father was a jazz musician and he had a connection to Capitol and it turned out that Duran actually had their promo party for Notorious in Chicago at the limelight at the time. Oh, wow. Well, at a amazing. <laughs> and so I invited my friend, the one who, who first came to me and asked me if I was a Durani. Yeah, that was incredible because we, you know, and it was one of the things where I was just like, I'm just happy to be in the building. We actually got into the inner sanctum where Duran was taking pictures with some people. Uh, and I think, you know, I think I, I threw, threw around a couple of names and basically got us into this room and so we got a picture with Duran a group picture and Nick drew this beautiful autograph for me magical night too because like first, first John came up to us and said good evening ladies welcome to the house of fun <laughs> <laughs> journalists and yeah she was a student journalist so technically she didn't lie yeah uh, and I said I'm a writer which again technically was true you were <laughs> writing stuff <laughs> Incredible. Way out. So, yeah. 
that's pretty amazing. Okay, so, <laughs> 2022, I don't think could even come close to that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But what what could have possibly come close in 22? I mean, Ibiza was the trip of a lifetime. I I love traveling anyway, and it was a little scary to do because of COVID and everything. I just was like, you're gonna kick yourself if you don't do this. And it was. I, I know. I I know everyone's heard about some of the, the organizing issues that happened, uh, but you know, despite Pollen's best efforts, it was a great trip. It was. Um, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was an amazing trip and and I and I met so many people and for me the highlights there were two highlights which was getting to see Roger DJ because yeah. you know, you just don't get a chance to do that and getting to see Nick's photography exhibit. I just oh my gosh, they were so beautiful and especially by now I had trained to become a photographer, so now I have an eye that toward really, you know, appreciating the the beauty and the artistry that goes into his photographs and I think he's really I, re, I think he's really come far as a as a photographer and just seeing everything in you know that detail in person was you know it was just an experience they had uh, he had a musical soundtrack and I don't I don't know where the soundtrack came from I, ac- I actually uh, captured a little bit of video so I could get the music and I, I kind of wonder if it came from Astronomia but I don't know uh, but you know it was it, you know it was it was sort of dimly lit and it was just this beautiful experience and so I, I would say, you know, that was part one of what made that trip so special for me. But then part two, I went to the mainland Spain and I actually got to see a Jean Cocteau exhibit. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, well, as long as I'm going to Spain, I might as well Google Jean Cocteau in Spain. Yeah. That's what I do. I, I, if I'm going somewhere, I'm like, was Jean Cocteau there? So mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up meeting someone who was kind enough to show me around Marbella and go to the exhibit with me. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, Cocteau is associated with, with France. So most of the time you don't hear about him in Spain, but he actually wanted to retire there. He had a friend look for a house for him there. And so there are like, you know, bits and parts of Cocteau in, in Marbella. And I got to witness all that. And and then I, I caught a flamenco show. So it was just, uh, you know, just Ibiza was just an amazing experience. But then 22 just kept going. You know, I got to see all three Hollywood Bowl shows. I went to the Me too. Oh, I was great. there in the rain. Oh, yeah. awesome. Um, yes, yeah, and I, I have to say, I was kind of amazed, but Dancing in the Rain was actually fun. I would not have, uh, I, I, I would not have assumed that that would have been the case, but yeah, that was, uh, especially, and I think what got the audience into it was, was the, the lyric, Dancing in the Rain, and everything, yes. oh, you know. Um, and we kept waiting, we kept waiting for Hold Back the Rain, which they left oh, off yes. that night. We're like, yeah you know and i got to go to the premiere of hollywood high and that was amazing i also uh you know i went to a screening another screening of hollywood high that turned out that anna and rachel went to i didn't actually get to meet them but they were like you know in the back we were there oh wait that's right yeah i thought i spotted anna like dancing i'm like that kind of looks like anna and then afterwards we heard that it, it was anna so. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I missed her, unfortunately. But then, and then of course, the, the Hall of Fame ceremony. So just, yeah, last year was just incredible. And I was, I was very lucky. My boss was very patient. Uh, my boss, <laughs> my boss is a former deadhead, so he understood. Uh, yes. <laughs> 
in the way about the traveling aspect. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I want to know how you become a former deadhead. (laughs) Right. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess he still is one, but uh, maybe not as, like, he doesn't travel as much. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe they don't have as many opportunities now. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) To do it. Um, (laughs) So, So, Sherry, this has been great. Just, like, catching up with you. Anybody have any, like, closing questions or anything? I had a quick question, Sherry, for you that when I was reading the uh, Creator Society article about you and you mentioned, you know, when you were coming up and you were, when it came to networking and things like that, you were very shy and you know, just trying to work through that. And I was curious about how you were able to work through that with, especially, you know, being a creative and being, you know, kind of starting out. I have a 17 year old daughter and she's, my father-in-law is an artist and she's inherited that artistic slash creative gene. And so she's, she's not quite sure what she wants to do yet, but, and she's very shy. And so it's, it's that we're at the stage where kind of having conversations about what do you think you want to do and all of that and we're letting her kind of go at her own pace we're not forcing her or anything and but I was just curious to know about how you work through that shyness in order to sort of put yourself out there and network or try mm-hmm. to meet people and that kind of thing in this space well I actually took a class I, I actually took a class on uh, networking and career strategies with a woman named Sandra Lord who is just amazing and one of the major lessons I learned from that class is to treat networking like it's a conversation as opposed to this big intimidating like oh oh my gosh I don't know if what I have to you know what I have to offer I, and you know it's, it's well it's two parts it's learning your value knowing your value and learning your your so-called buzzwords and they, they don't have to necessarily be like you know oh, I want to I want an Emmy or anything like that it can just be like you know I'm from Chicago and um you know, I went, I went to the school and I, you know, I'm an animation associate producer. And it's basically your buzzwords are the words that make people go, oh, you know, I've, I've directed these films and they've, they've won awards and that sort of thing. But uh, that's, that's part of it. But then, uh, you know, but, but once you learn your buzzwords, you, you develop the confidence that you need to be able to approach those conversations with, with confidence, you know, and, and to know that when you walk into a room that you can own it, that you, you know, that you have as much value as you do as anyone else that's in that's in the room so taking that that course was life-changing for me that's great yeah I've I've gotten to the point now where networking is actually like fun which I wouldn't have said before and that's the thing that's the key it can be so intimidating right Mm -hmm. and I I love what you're saying that you just treat it like a conversation like any other conversation and but there's a couple of little little tweaks you make but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's great thank you you're welcome well, this has been an amazing conversation with you, Sherry. Thank you again Thank so you. much yes. for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, we were so glad that we got to finally meet in person in yes. L.A. a few months ago. But, yes, it was um, so much fun. It was yes, so much was. fun, and I wish we would have had more time together. But, um, again, thank you for making the time for us today. Yeah. We are absolutely rooting for you, everyone. You. One, go check out the shit Duran Duran fan say <laughs> a piece that she produced 10 years ago. It's up on you. YouTube. It's hilarious, and everybody can see a little bit of themselves in it. It's hysterical, it's hilarious, and it's still relevant. Um, and two, follow Sherry on her social media platforms. Um, she has on Instagram, O'Shea Productions, and she has Fangirl the Show. And we are going to be keeping you guys updated on her progress on this potential award that she or inter, what is this internship? Not internship. Fellowship. Fellowship. 
fellowship. That's the word that I want to use for uh, the creative, uh, for fangirl. And um, we're just rooting for you, Sherry. And thank you. I I love your podcast so much. So this is really an honor. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a while. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player, and you can even ask Alexa to play us with the TuneIn app. Also follow us on Instagram and our brand new Twitter page. See you again real soon.